You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. So how, how many of you would say that you're bad with names? Like somebody introduces themselves to you and like you almost immediately forget their name, right? Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people are like that. Uh, you know their face, you know you've met the person before, you know that you know them, like it's there, it's all there except the name, right? The name, it just, you just can't remember it. Time Magazine wrote an article uh, about this actually. Uh, uh, and the article basically ga- came down to the conclusion of if you struggle to remember people's names, it's only one of two options. You either weren't listening when they told you their name or you didn't care to learn their name after they told you their name. That, and I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily true in every case, but I can kind of see the, uh, the idea there. Um, what about this? Have you ever like run into someone and they like know who you are, but you have no idea who they are. Like they know your name, they know like things about you that only people that know you would know, but you're like, I have never met you ever in my life. Like how do you know these things? Who are you, right? I've been there, I've had that happen to me. Have you ever been on the opposite end of it though, where you run into somebody that you know and they have no idea who you are? It's a little, it's a little embarrassing, it's a little, you know, if you're on the receiving end of it, it hurts a little bit because you're like, man, am I really like that forgettable, you know? Uh, and so this morning we're going to be looking at, uh, at a passage from Scripture. We're going to be taking a break from uh, the series that Wynn's been going through, um, Questions Jesus Asked. And we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture from Paul in 2 Corinthians. And, uh, and Paul is kind of in this place where he has this feeling like, like the church of, at Corinth has forgotten who he was, right? And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. That's where we're going to read. Um, but first, I'd like to ask Nate Randall to come lead us in prayer. I know your, uh, your worship guide says Sarah Eschbach, but she woke up with a migraine this morning. So we can be praying for her this morning as well. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank that we could all make it to church on Sunday. Give Josh the words to read your word and teach us that we might take it with us on this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, Nate. All right, so, so let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, and and if, you don't, if you don't mind, if you're able to, uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1 says, are we beginning to commend commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of, uh, of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because being brought to an end came with glory, excuse me, because of the glory that surpasses it. For, it. for if it was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. You can be seated. All right. So first off, um, I want to talk about the word that Paul uses in verse 1 where he says, are we beginning to commend ourselves, right? So the word that he uses for commend is just another way to say introduce, right? So Paul could be saying, are we beginning to introduce ourselves again, right? So in this time, uh, there had been false teachers coming into the church at Corinth and teaching different ideologies, different teachings than what Paul originally had taught them. And some of these teachers, their main goal was not even to teach a religious thing. Their main goal was not to teach anything except that Paul was wrong and that Paul was not a good person. Basically, their main goal was to discredit who Paul was, to say that Paul didn't know what he was talking about. Everything Paul is saying is a lie. Their main goal was not to, to teach a certain religious narrative. It was just to push a narrative that, that Paul didn't know what he was doing. Right. And, and that was what these people were saying. And the Corinthians were kind of buying into it a little bit. They were they were saying, huh, maybe Paul isn't really who we think Paul is. Maybe Paul isn't, you know, the person that, that he says he is. And so Paul is, is saying, do you not remember who I am? Do you not remember when I came to you, when I brought the gospel to you, when when I came and planted this church? Do you not remember? Do I need to reintroduce myself? Do, do you need to learn who I am again? Do I have to build back my credibility with you? Do I have to do all these things? Do we have to go through this whole process again? Like, Paul is a little bit hurt by this because of how much time and how much effort he had poured into the people at Corinth. He's saying, Am, am I having to reintroduce myself to you? Did you forget me? Did you forget who I was? Did you forget all of these things? And so, you know, if you can imagine being in that position, you, you would probably be a little bit feeling these same things too, a little bit hurt, a little bit embarrassed because, you know, there start these people who you had to earn their trust, you had to earn, you know, their right to pour into their lives, they are turning from you, right? And so Paul is just saying, like, you know, I love you. I've put forth this effort to pour into your life, and now you're, you're turning to these other people who are teaching you this completely different thing, right? And so, you know, Paul is trying to, to draw them back to what he originally came to them with, which was the gospel. On, on Wednesday nights uh, in the, in the student, with the students, we're going through 1 John, and the whole you know, book of 1 John is all about going back to the basics, right? And so Paul is doing the same thing here, just like what John does in 1 John. He's trying to draw their attention back to the basics, to the, to the fundamental truths of the gospel, right? And, and sometimes that is exactly what we need in our lives. Sometimes we can get so caught up in, in thinking about, you know, well, well, what does this mean? Or what does that mean? Or, or like, you know, getting into some deeper theology that we forget 
sometimes the basic fundamentals of being a Christian, the basic fundamental truths of the gospel, that, that we are sinners who need forgiveness and who need to be saved, and that comes through Jesus. Like, when we remember those fundamental things, when we can go back to the basics, you know, that's really when we can start seeing our, our lives with Christ grow even more. And, and sometimes he reveals things to us even in the basics of the gospel, even in the fundamental truths of the gospel. And so this is what Paul is doing. He's just trying to draw them back, reshift their focus back to the original teachings that he brought to them when he first planted the church in Corinth, right? Because these people were chasing different ideologies at this time. They were, you know, being led by false teachers. And so Paul is just trying to refocus them, bring them back to what he originally taught them in the in the truth of the gospel and that's what he's trying to do and and like I said sometimes we as individuals and we as a church as a body can get you know too focused on other things you know we can sometimes get too focused on you know how how good is the worship band going to be or you know what is our next big summer blowout that we're going to do where we can have 300 people here and just say, man, we had 300 people here and, and, and we lose track of the actual, the gospel in that, right? And sometimes it's all about, you know, getting the numbers, but no seeds being planted in that. Sometimes it's all about the wrong thing, right? And so again, Paul is just trying to reshift the focus back to the gospel, back to the truth of what originally, you know, all these people came to know Christ from the, the original truth of the gospel, the, the actual truth of the gospel, right? And so Paul is just saying, you know, I've already taught you all of these things. You already know all of these things. Like, let's go back to that. Let's go back to the truth of the gospel. Let's stop worrying about, you know, all the outside noise. Let's, let's talk about the truth. Let's talk about the truth. And, and if you know anything about Paul's life, you know that Paul was all about the truth. He was all about wanting people to know the truth. And the truth is, is that salvation comes by faith, through, by grace, through faith in Christ. And, it, and Christ's death and resurrection on the cross is the only way that people could be saved and forgiven of their sins. And Paul's just trying to reshift their focus to that. Reshift their focus. This is, Paul did this in a lot of his letters. Just whenever people would be being led in, in a direction, Paul's saying, I'm reshifting your focus. He doesn't come to them with new information. He doesn't come to them with anything that they haven't already heard. He's just drawing them back to what they already know. And sometimes that's all we need in our lives as Christians, is to be drawn back to what we already know. Not to be taught a new, deep, you know, something that's in the Bible that we might not understand, but sometimes what's best is for us to just be reshifted back to the truth that we already know. Sometimes that's exactly what we need uh, to take that next step in our spiritual lives. And so that was the the first question Paul asked. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Am I having to reintroduce myself again to you, right? And so instead of looking at questions Jesus asked, we're looking at questions Paul asked this morning. So he asked the second question, all right, right in verse one, he goes on to say, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? So you have to, under, to understand what this is talking about, you have to understand that back in this time, in order for anybody to come and like teach or preach at a church, they had to have like legal documents stating that they were equipped and qualified to teach or preach in that church, 
right? And so if somebody didn't have that legal document stating that they were qualified, they weren't allowed to come and teach in the church. And Paul, he didn't have those legal documents, right? Some of the people that were with Paul did, like Barnabas, uh, he had the legal documents. Apollos had the legal documents, but Paul didn't, right? And these false teachers knew that. And they knew that Paul was unequipped, unqualified to be leading the church, right? And so they attacked that. Again, questioning Paul's character, questioning Paul's authority. They were like, he doesn't have the requirements. He doesn't have the adequacy to be doing this. He doesn't have the adequacy to be leading you, so why are you following him? And so again, he's just saying, like, you know me. Like, Paul doesn't need to be you know, affirmed by the government that he's able to, to lead the church, right? Paul, doesn't, Paul didn't need to be affirmed by anybody except God that he was able to do what God had set him out to do. Well, the same is true for us. We don't need affirmation or validation or acceptance from anybody other than God to do God's will, right? Sometimes we can get so caught up in, in how other people feel about us, how other people are going to see us, what other people think of us. You know, how is this person going to accept me? How, is this, how can I be validated by this person? But the truth is, is validation, acceptance, all of those things, they only matter if they come from God. And God gives us those things when we follow his will, when we follow his plan. Right? And so, so Paul is just saying, do, do, do we need a, a letter of recommendation? Like, do you want that? He, I think in, in a way he's saying, I can probably get that and give it to you if that's what it takes for you to believe me. He, he didn't want it to have to come to that because he knew that they knew him. He knew that they trusted him at one point. And so he's saying, if that's what it, it takes, then I'll do it. But at the end of the day, like, you know me. You shouldn't have to have that. My life is a reflection of that. My life is my letter of recommendation. My life is my, you know, affirmation that I am who I am. Like, this is, this is the same Paul who, like, you know, spent a significant amount of time in prison because he was preaching the gospel. Like, he was like, does that not speak for itself? Do those things, me enduring all of this, like, torment, does that not speak for, for, the tr- for what I believe? Like, I wouldn't be going through all of this if what I believed wasn't real, right? And so Paul is just saying, like, you know me. I don't, I don't need legal documents to, to prove to you that, that I'm able to lead you. I don't need legal documents to prove that I am able to teach you, right? So, so think about this. So if I were to stand up here and tell you, Wentz gone on a cruise, so this is my perfect opportunity to tell you, Went is not adequate to, to lead this church. Went is not a good leader. He's not capable of leading this church. He just can't do it. He doesn't have the qualifications. He doesn't have the training. He doesn't have the experience. He can't do it, right? If I were to stand up here and tell you that, you wouldn't believe me, right? Because you know Went. You know Went has seminary training. Went has years of experience under his belt in all different types of capacities as a, as a pastor, as a missionary, all of these things. We know Went because of the life he lives. We know that he is able to lead this church because of the life that he lives. And that life is in submission to God's will, right? So a- another example, if I were to tell you that Hunter 
is a phony and doesn't know anything about music and, and he really he really just sits over there and lip syncs every Sunday like like we wouldn't believe it. We know Hunter. We we've seen we've seen God use Hunter in mighty ways through music and through other things. Uh, and we we know that Hunter has music training and he knows all of this thing. Especially those of you who've been around Hunter enough to to hear him talk about it. like he knows what he's talking about, right? So don't throw tomatoes at Hunter when he comes up here for the uh, for the closing song because we know we know Hunter is qualified to do what he does at this church not only because of his training but because God has called him to it right and that's that is even more important than the training being called by God is far more important than any type of training any type of adequacy any type of of you know learning something being called by God is far greater than any of the things that can qualify you for a position. God's calling is above all of that. God's calling is higher than all of that. And, and sometimes when God calls you to something, you do have to go through training and you do have to learn things and you do have to spend those, those, uh, that amount of time like learning how to, how to do something. But that still comes from God's original calling. And, you know, the old saying goes, God doesn't, call the equipped, he equips the called, right? If you're called by God, he equips you, but you don't need to be adequate at anything for God to use you because God can use you even in your inadequacy to be used, right? Because the truth is, is I'm inadequate, all right? I'm, I'm not enough. I'm, I'm not enough to be, on, on my own, I'm not enough to be doing what I do. But God has called me to do this and he uses me and he is teaching me how to do it. He's every day I'm learning more and more how to do the things that he's called me to do. And that comes not only as, as being a pastor at this church, but just as a husband and as, you know, uh, a friend and as a son and as a brother and, and as, you know, just somebody that is in a community, like all of those things, God is continually teaching me and equipping me for all of those things. It's just outside of being a pastor. Like if you, if you work in any environment, like, you, you get better at your job the longer you do it. It's the same thing with being a Christian and being used by God. The more God uses you, the more equipped you are to be used by God. And it's just a, it's a beautiful process. And it all starts with just opening yourself up to the idea of it. And, and so Paul, all he's saying is, is my life, my life should be enough for you to, to know that I am able to do this. My life, the fact that God has called me to do it and the things that I do with my life, that is the letter of recommendation, right? That, so Paul is saying my life is a living letter, right? And so that's kind of, you know, the key phrase that I've been going back to with this is, is being a living letter. And how can we do that as Christians, as believers? Being a li living letter, not needing anybody to validate who we are in Christ, but our lives validating who we are in Christ, our actions validating who we are in Christ, Christ himself validating who we are and who he's called us to be, right? What is ordained by God does not need to be approved by man. I'm gonna say that again, because that, that, I want you to think about that. What is ordained by God does not need to be approved by man, right? If God has something in your life that he's ordaining you, calling you to do, 
You don't need man's approval to do it. So often we seek man's approval. So often we seek, you know, to fit in or to, to you know, whatever it is. We seek those things from man. But the truth is, is that we don't need those things. We need God's presence and God's will. And at the end of the day, if people reject us because we're following God's will, then, you know, it is what it is. Because we're called to be obedient over anything else. We're called to be in God's will over anything else. And so that, that's what Paul is trying to get across to them. I don't need these legal documents to prove to you that, that I am, you know, a, called by God to lead this church, basically. So, you know, moving on, Paul goes into talking about your life being a letter that is written not in ink, but in the spirit, by the Spirit of God, not on tablet stones, but on the tablets of people's hearts. And so you can take, take those two things, a life that's written in ink on tablet stones or a life that's written by the Spirit on human hearts, and you can kind of see like that, that those are the, the two ends of the spectrum, right? If your life is being written by the Spirit on human hearts, you are filled with the Spirit, you are seeking to do things that are led by the Spirit. And if you're on the other end, if life is written in ink on stone tablets, then you're seeking worldly things, you're seeking physical things, you're seeking to build up your own kingdom on earth, to build up your own you know, clout or whatever it is on earth, rather than in heaven with Christ through the Spirit. And so we can just kind of use this to judge our lives and Paul is saying all of this not as a place to like, you know, lift himself up because it kind of sounds like that, you know, a little bit at first. He's like, I- I'm able to do this. Like, I'm Paul. I am who I say I am. And that can come across a little bit, you know, conceited or, or whatever. But, you know, moving on to verse four, he said, such is the confidence that we have through Christ or God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves. He's talking about himself, not that I am sufficient in myself, to claim anything is coming from me, right? Paul is saying, this is not me. This is not, this is not anything good that I'm doing is not from me, but it's through Christ in me. Anything good that comes out of what I do is all because of Christ. It's all because of what God is calling me and equipping me to do. Not that I do anything great by myself. I, he's saying, I'm not sufficient to do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this apart from Christ. But in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, I'm able to do this, right? And, and that's, the, that's the attitude that the Christian should take on as they follow Christ, as they do things for Christ, as they do kingdom work, you know, that builds up the kingdom of Christ, is that I'm not doing this on my own. Sometimes I'm guilty of this. Sometimes, you know, I can find myself... You know, I'll have a really good Bible study in the morning and I'll say, man, that was a good Bible study. I really had some really good thoughts, like God revealed things to me. I must be pretty holy today. You know, I must be, I must be doing something right today. And then we can like, you know, get, get in this place where we look at somebody else's life and we're like, man, I'm a little bit more holy than them because I read my Bible for 10 minutes and they only read theirs for five minutes, you know. That's kind of the attitude we take on. Everything, everything we do, we try to compare it to what other people are doing, and that's just not fair to ourselves or to the people around us. And we can kind of 
use the things that we do for Christ as a way to boost our own ego and to boost our own, you know, our own name rather than the name of Christ. And Paul is saying the opposite of that. He's saying, I'm doing, I'm doing this not because of me, not because I am this great person, not because I am anything special, but I'm doing this because Christ has called me and equipped me to do this. It's not from me, it's from Christ. So, and, and that was, I was very convicted when I was studying this because I was thinking about all the times in my life where I've, you know, done something that was for the kingdom of God and then later on looked back at that and thought highly of myself because of it. And, and then I was like, and I just always think like, man, I didn't do that. I didn't do anything. You know, I was just being obedient to Christ and Christ did it through me. And that's where Paul is at, right? So not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Who, this, this means there's something that comes after that, who in him being our sufficiency has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. So in Christ being sufficient, in Christ making us sufficient, we have been called to something, right? We have been made sufficient to be ministers, right? And and we kind of have this misinterpretation of the word minister. We think that when we hear minister, we think of a pastor or a church leader or something like that. But the word minister literally means like somebody who tends to the need of somebody else. So like a doctor is a minister to his patients, that, that kind of idea. So a minister, you know, doesn't just mean a pastor, right? So Paul's not just talking to pastors here. He's not just talking to, to church leaders here, right? This is for all Christians, all people who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus for salvation, claim to be a follower of Jesus. This is, this is for you. You've been made sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, right? So the biggest need that people have in the world is sin, Their need is to be forgiven of sin and to be saved. And so in our lives, to be ministers to that, we have to say, okay, what is the need? The need is forgiveness of their sins and to be saved. How can I attend to that need, right? And that is by loving somebody, sharing the gospel with somebody, living out the gospel in front of somebody so that they can see it in action because sometimes just telling somebody a whole bunch of stuff, it sometimes is not very effective, but living it out in front of them, letting them see a physical representation of the gospel, that can, can, you know, prove to change people, right? And sometimes people just don't want to hear words. They want to see actions. They want to see you back up the things that you're saying. So Paul is saying, if you're in Christ, you've been made sufficient to be a minister of a new covenant, right? And this new covenant, he's, he's going to start, you know, kind of doing this compare and contrast of the old covenant and the new covenant. And, and he's doing this. If you know anything about Paul, you know that before he became Paul, he was Saul. And when he was Saul, he was, you know, working for the religious leaders, working as a religious leader, killing Christians. He was, you know, he didn't want anything to do with Jesus or people who follow Jesus. And he kind of submitted himself to the old covenant, right? That was kind of what drove him, the law. The old covenant is the law, right? And so now he's 
doing this compare and contrast of the old and new covenant. And he's saying that in verse 6, sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but the spirit. For the letter kills the old covenant, but the spirit gives life. Right? And, and this is not the first time that Paul refers to the old covenant and to the law as, as bringing death. Right? In Romans 7.10, he says, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. Right? I submitted myself to the law. I submitted myself to the old covenant to doing all of it, like trying to check off every box that the law requires. And that only leads to condemnation. That only leads to death. Right? Nobody can check off all the boxes and get to heaven. Like that's just not, not possible. Nobody does it. I've never met a person who's done it. I never will meet a person who's done it except for Jesus. Right? Jesus is the only person who has you know, kept every law, every command. Nobody can do it. And so the law, therefore, because now that we have a new covenant, the law brings condemnation. The law brings death. And Paul recognizes that and recognizes this is kind of, you know, he's indirectly talking about the Pharisees in this moment, talking about the people who still submit themselves to the law even though there is a new covenant. People who are still under the old covenant even though there's a new covenant, right? And so he's addressing this. And the old covenant, again, we can look back at the Old Testament and see that. And, and in verses 7 through 11, he kind of, like I said, does this compare and contrast thing where he's talking about the old covenant, the new covenant. And he says, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face, this is a, an, an allusion back to the Old Testament when Moses came down off the mountain holding the tablets that had the Ten Commandments on it. You know, his people were frightened and couldn't look at him because his face was glowing, right? There was glory that came in the Old Testament. There's glory that came from the Old Covenant. There's glory that came out of the Old Covenant, right? God honored and blessed the people who kept the old covenant in the times of the old covenant, right? And so Paul is basically saying people were honored and people were blessed by God who kept the old covenant and the old covenant was temporary. The old covenant was just there until Jesus came. Now there's a new covenant which is permanent. This new covenant is going to reign forever. This new covenant is the promise that is going to, you know, stand the test of time that will never be broken and, and, and Paul is saying, if God blessed those people who kept the old temporary covenant, how much more do you think he'll bless the people who keep the new permanent forever covenant, right? The blessing is obviously going to be more for those who are under the new covenant because the new covenant is the one that is actually the, the covenant that we are under, right? The old covenant, like I said, was just there to... to hold space until the new covenant was going to be made through Jesus, right? And that's, we know that the new covenant is salvation through Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so the, the new covenant kind of stands as the end all be all. Like that is, that is the mark that we have. That is the, the foundation that is set for us in Jesus. And we look at that and that's what we're submitting ourselves to as believers and as followers of Christ not the old covenant that brings death, that brings condemnation, but the new covenant which brings freedom, which brings forgiveness, which brings liberty, which brings all of these great things that we're promised from Jesus. And we get to look at that 
And not only do we get to receive that, but we get to be ministers of that. We get to tend to the needs of people with this truth of the gospel. And so again, Paul is reshifting their focus back to the truth, that the, the original truth of the gospel that they heard and that changed their lives. He's bringing them back to that truth and he's saying, this is, this is what you believe, this is what I believe, this is what we as a church believe, this is what has changed us, right? If you are under the new covenant, if you've been saved by grace through faith with the blood of Jesus, you've been changed, right? The Bible is very clear that, that nobody can experience salvation and stay the same. Nobody can experience the redeeming love of Jesus and be the same as they were before. Like, that's just not possible. As a Christian, you are a new creation. And in being a new creation, we, we understand that there's this calling that we have. There's this responsibility, this obligation that we have as a new creation in Christ to take the truth of the gospel, to remember the truth of the gospel, and to use that to be a minister to people to meet the needs of people around us. And that's, that's what Paul is saying. He, he's not writing a new book. He's not, you know, revealing any new truths. He's not teaching any new truths. He's reshifting focus back to the truth. He's reshifting focus back to what has already been established through Jesus on the cross and what has already been taught to the church at Corinth when he planted the church. He doesn't need any person or organization to validate him in his ministry because he's validated in his ministry through Christ. You do not need any person or organization or even, your, even a church to validate you, but God validates you in your ministry that he's called you to. And in that, the ministry is to take this truth of the gospel that we have been reminded of, that we need so often to be reminded of, take that into a lost and broken world. That's the responsibility, right? Is your life a living letter? Is your life backing up what you say about who you are? Is your life backing up what you say you believe in, right? This is kind of the, this is kind of the thing that, that I've been stuck on for so long is people who claim to be Christians, but there's nothing in their life that proves that. People who claim to be a follower of Christ, but there's nothing in their life that backs up that statement, right? And, and I get, I talk about this all the time to so many different people, and I just get so, you know, exhausted of seeing all these people who, you know, have a Bible verse in their Instagram bio, or they like, you know, walk around and have this name tag that says Christian on, but nothing in their life backs it up, right? Nothing in their life proves that they are that, right? Being a Christian comes with responsibility. Being a Christian comes with action, comes with doing things, right? We, we can't just wear the name tag, wear the t-shirt, and say, all right, well, that's good. I'm, I'm all good. Paul is, is saying, I have lived a life. I have proven to you. I haven't just said one thing and done another. I haven't called myself one thing and done another thing, but I've backed up what I've said to you, and that should be enough for you to believe me. That should be enough for you to, to come back to the gospel that I brought to you, right? This is, this is how we should think in our lives. 
the truth of the gospel remains the same, right? There, there's nothing new that I could ever teach you from scripture unless it's just something that you haven't read yet. But I, I, I can't bring any new information to anybody. All I can do is bring the truth that has already been established. And that's all you can do with other people, right? Some people like to try to rewrite the book and they wanna, you know, try to come up with the newest, you know, slogans or whatever. But, but the truth is, is that if we come with just the truth of the gospel, that's enough, right? That, that is enough. We don't have to rewrite the book. Paul's saying, I didn't rewrite the book. I'm just trying to reshift you back to what has already been established. And sometimes that's all we need. Just a, a reshift of our focus. Just a, a new you know, train of thought where we just go back to the basics of, of what it means to be a Christian, of what the gospel looks like. And so, uh, in closing, that's, where, that's what I want you to think about as we, as we do have our invitation time. Reshifting your focus back to the truth of the gospel. What, think about a time in your life when the gospel has meant more to you than it ever has, right? That's the time where God has really spoken to you the most. What are the truths that he revealed to you that have changed your life the most? Go back and revisit those things. Go back and revisit the truth that has already been established in your life. We so often seek the next thing that we forget to go back and, and remember what God has already taught us. And then eventually we forget it because we don't ever think about it. So in this time of invitation, I want you to think about those things in your life. Um, obviously, if, if you feel like you need prayer or, or you'd like to, to you know, join Piperton Baptist Church and be a part of our ministry, that, that's open as well. If you have never given your life to Christ and you want to do that, you, you have questions about that, you can do that in this time as well. But, but we're going to have this time of invitation uh, and... and you know, use that however the Lord is leading you to. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in prayer. God, we thank you so much for this day. Um, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you, um, God, that you are who you say you are, God, and that, that we get to serve a living uh, a God, um, Lord. We just are so thankful for that. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that we get to go back and look at the truth that's already been established, that we don't ever have to figure out anything new. We don't ever have to come up with anything new, God, but everything that we need is already written down in Scripture, God, and that we get to refer back to that. Um, God, I just pray that, that you would move um, as we have this time of invitation, Lord, that, that you would speak. Um, to the people who, who are struggling with things, God, that you would move people to, to action, God, that, that we as believers um, would just live a life that backs up the fact that, that we say we are Christians, God. Let us not be people who just wear the name tag, God, but that live it out in our daily lives. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for what he did on the cross. Um, we just love you. We thank you so much for loving us. And it's in your holy name that I pray. Amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.